0: Now, more than ever, the great people of Tennessee are frustrated with the current direction we're headed as a state and as a country. We, the people, need to take a stand together, not simply as individuals, but as a force of nature in order to protect individual liberty. On this show, you'll hear from three voices who lead an organization called Tennessee Stands. Myself, John Fender, the Director of Communications, Gary Humble, the executive director, and Kevin Kukaji, the chairman of the board. We'll sit down with politicians, business leaders, community organizers, and citizens just like yourself to discuss the ideas, action points, and strategies needed to boldly take a stand and assert the unalienable rights given to us naturally by God. Welcome to the Freedom Matters podcast. Well, Gary, I, f- I feel like... I mean, we've, we have Kevin back. Hey, Which is Kevin. Hey, Kevin's thank back. Thank you.
1: A yeah. little I, bit of tan. <laughs> uh, it's almost all gone.
0: I realize you went to the beach and had a good time, but I would appreciate it if you just not leave anymore. Right. Because your shoes are really big shoes to fill. Oh, come on. That's a hard job to do, is to fill it your is. shoes. So I don't want to do that anymore. There's so just,
2: a there's a void.
0: You, just stop leaving. Okay? All right. Can we, can we get there?
1: Slave to the machine.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, but... Even though it is the three of us this week, we do have a guest again. Yeah. Love and having guests. Again, Gary well, brings this one in, so.
2: Well, and and it's always exciting when someone calls and there's just, you know, you're, you're going through the same thing and Debbie called this week and she's just, she's frustrated, she's mad and mm-hmm. she's and she's just mad at the lobbyists. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. mad at the lobbyists too. Mm-hmm.
3: That's right. <laughs> so I thought. I had to commiserate, right? Yeah, right. Uh-huh.
2: <clears throat> so Debbie Matthews, welcome hello, to the hello. show.
3: Oh, I'm so glad to be here, guys. Our um, second,
2: a- our second guest, by the way, in our short history of the Freedom Matters podcast from Murray County.
3: That's true. Oh, that must have been Mr. Ogles. It was. It yes, was Mr. My Ogles. my good friends. Now, yes. he's the chair of the Republican Party in Murray County. And you are the vice chair. Yes, I'm the neck. He's the head. Okay. I turn it, though. wherever <laughs> needs to go. I'm you. And listen, <clears throat> if you've not been to a Murray County event, I'll just put it this way. So here's the gauntlet down, Tennessee. If you're going to win a Republican candidacy... Where Murray County is involved, mm-hmm. you have to come through Murray County's Republican Party to get elected.
2: Mm-hmm. You sure do, and I right. and I'll vouch for that. I I had the opportunity to speak, be one of their guest speakers at their their monthly meeting. Mm-hmm. Dude, I had like two hundred and fifty people Absolutely, there. Absolutely, man, that's
3: just rabid. At a There's, county
2: party meeting,
3: that I is news. that is strange. Oh, listen, but I great. Mean, oh, listen, I mean, just an embarrassment of riches of awesome conservative minds that are just about freedom about getting back to fundamentals, you know, clarifying purpose of what government's about. It's amazing. Mm. It's truly amazing. So just come down. We call it Conservative Church, the fourth third fourth Monday of every month. Do you still meet at that—where do you meet now?
1: Because when I—your experience is different than mine. Back in about 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, mm-hmm. I spoke at a Murray County Republican Party event. Um,
3: you mean where all the rhinos were leading the party? Uh, yeah. I can't
1: remember because I, I was actually— speaking on uh, Lynchpins of liberty at mm, that time mm-hmm. and it was at a little storefront off of the square yes do they still meet there
3: well cheryl crow bought that building so no she really yeah she did she redid it it's awesome no we're up at the memorial building which is used to be an old post office but it's where you know all the sub-debs and everybody have their parties and their dances and oh. the kiwanis meet there republicans meet there i'm the um What's the other one? Rotary. Rotary. Oh. So, yeah. So, but right now we're busting at the seams and we need a, a bigger spot. So, but let me announce this here. Y'all will be the second mm-hmm. place this is announced. Okay. Uh, Murray County is hosting a Congressional District 5 primary debate. I mean, we're going to do the debate right. We're going to have three commentators set up front, all podiums on the stage. And that will be June 27th at six o'clock. At the Memorial nice. Building, wow. so General Winstead's people have said. So there'll be mid-solving? like
2: tw- you're going to have all 20 candidates there.
3: All 20. <laughs> if there's 20 that are uh, still wow. I- a viable and in right before early voting, which begins mid July, yeah. But we're we're having the debate, so there'll be those questions. You know, that's you know, cool. Beth, do you still believe in mar- medical marijuana? You know, Miss Ortega's. You know, you just moved here. There'll be all those great questions. Good. Good. Good question.
2: I'm not going to miss that.
3: No. <laughs> no, you're you're coming to cover it, right?
2: That's right. So, Are you moderating? Not moderating, oh. but probably streaming and talking and yes. We're exciting. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be
3: awesome because, you know, the last time a congressional seat was open, just open, right? The person that won only won with 19% of the vote. So mm. it's going to be a slugfest mm. for sure.
2: All right, so lobbyists.
3: Mm. I'm excited
0: about this because I don't get the whole lobbying system. Yeah. I'm very confused by it all.
2: It's a mess. Uh, Mm. Kevin, you know much about lobbying. (laughs) Yeah, I know enough to be dangerous.
1: I actually have very good friends in D.C. who are lobbyists for liberty.
2: Okay, well, that's
1: different. And they're one of the few who actually advocate um, for issues of liberty for a couple of clients that I can't name and won't name, but... Oh gosh, they're hardcore conservatives. They're they're movement conservatives. They're they're liberty minded. They're strong Christians, and they lobby for liberty. So they're actually lobbying on behalf of the citizens. But what we're going to talk about—special interests—are the special interest Mm -hmm. lobbies that have nothing to do with. In fact, but could
0: one argue that the lobbying for liberty is special interest as well?
1: No, because their their interests are the people's interests. And, that's, and it's unfortunate that it's come to the place that, okay, the only way you can get a seat at the table is if you have the power of a lobbyist. We should be the most powerful, right? We are the citizens, and we should have that direct access. But it's come to a point where lobbyists always get more access. So if you're not getting access as a citizen directly, if you can have a lobbyist for liberty, then at least you get a seat at the table to talk about the issues that they should have been speaking right, about right. before uh, the introduction of Just
3: a, a quick question. Lobbyists. So. So, do they pay? Can do they give uh, donations to candidates to get elected? I have no idea. See, that's the difference right there, because because people that are in the legislature, they start thinking about. First of all, they and have this, to get— And this, by the
1: a, way, is federal government that I'm talking about, okay. not, I, not Yes, Tennessee I knew. State. Yeah. yeah.
3: But at Tennessee State or even the federal government, congressional people have to campaign for every two years mm-hmm. of service, right? So, so they're making phone calls all the time to raise money because it's so expensive. So that's never out of their mind. So when a lobbyist sits in front of them, the very first thing you look at is, well, how much money did they donate to them? That's the first thing I did yep. was pull. After they squelched us so bad— on this last bill that we did, I meant the first thing I did was go home and say, okay, which hometown papers am I putting a full-page ad in saying, you know, mm-hmm. we're primarying you, you know, and here is your donor list. That was the first thing. That was my original mm-hmm. need. Which, by
1: the way, is what kind of launched you, Gary, you, c- connecting the dots financially and even yes. every time there's a committee that doesn't listen to the people— the first thing that Gary does is go and say, okay, let me see who's giving money Show to the members me of this committee. Money.
3: We need yeah. to have pack people wearing placards when a bill is voted on. And I started to do this this last Tuesday, that you you walk in when your bill is being presented, but the placard has written this. All your you sponsors. Know, yes. Like the, NASCAR. Exactly. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. But each one, you know, here's the chairman's donations. Here's this guy. And it's—, it's we cannot stress this enough or I can't. There's a there's a deep state in Murray County. There's a deep state in Tennessee and there's a deep state the federal government. So when we're slugging through this and walking through molasses trying to correct these things, just know that you're going up it's a smaller deal in Tennessee, but it's the deep state and don't don't ever think that that's not the case. Okay? So it's not going to change overnight, but we've got to make our Tennesseans aware because most of them are working all day. They don't have time to go down and look at the legislature and look at who's working on behalf of them and their benefit. But what happened last Tuesday was so alarming to me that I actually went home and thought, I mean, I couldn't sleep. And I thought, did I not lead this well enough? Did I not prepare, were we not? And so then what, Gary what was on... So I was going to say, before we get
0: yeah, too far... We, to we this, had a bad Tuesday, too. <laughs> let's explain what happened last Tuesday. Yeah. So you
2: want to talk about
3: your Tuesday yeah, or
2: Tuesday? I, I'll, I'll go with my Tuesday to okay. set this up, because I, as bad as it was, actually got to heckle a lobbyist this week, which was great. Well, yeah. that sounds like fun. He, yeah. he ran. <laughs> okay. Literally ran. Okay. So... A lot of you who follow Tennessee Stands probably saw the video already this week. It's it's gotten around, but of, of this evil, evil, evil that was perpetrated in, yes. this, in the health subcommittee yes. um, where we had a, a, a bill that would have protected patients' rights in hospitals. Two doctors flew in. The room was full. The entryways was fu- were, were full. The hallway was full and you had Alicia Rodriguez there here from the Mount Juliet area who was there to testify on behalf her de- of her of her dead husband and they looked these people in the eyes and killed the bill they didn't even second emotion to hear the bill everyone showed up and no one got to say a word i mean egregious mm-hmm. and and i know because of everything we've been through with all of these other b- other bills, it's the Tennessee Hospital Association. It's the Tennessee Medical Association. It's Vanderbilt. It's, it's all these muckety-mucks, and this is what they do. And that little squirrely-looking sucker that I see in those in those hallways, every time there's a medical bill to be run, his name is Joe. Just leave it at that. I know exactly who he is. We can't name him. Um uh, I just don't remember his last oh, name. Oh, okay.
0: Because I want to name.
2: He, he's the lead lobbyist for the Tennessee Hospital Association, so okay. I, I see him running around, and and I can see what's going on. Well, the bill dies, and he's just he's got this smirk on his face. And as things sort of clear out, there's only about five people left in the hallway. Everyone had left, and he's walking back to the chambers. And I said, "Hey, hey, Joe, Joe, <laughs> hey, you did it." You did it, man. And there's, there's state police kind of like looking around. I said, you did it. You won. How does it feel, Joe? How does it feel? You won. You killed the bill. Bro, you did your – I mean, and he is he's running. running. <laughs> he is just I running. I love that. No, I love I that. I cannot stand these people.
3: I know. It's, um, it's, it's a funny thing because you walk into the building and every place to sit is – is seated with the lobbyists most of the time they're in black they think they're too cool for school so general people coming in don't even have a pl- I couldn't even couldn't even sit down our our coalition we had six people there we couldn't even find a place just to sit and have a glass of water they've got all the chairs blocked and everything and it's almost like birds just sitting on it just you know it, I can't when you use the word evil that is truly the most perfect word. If you thought Gary was over the top on that, no. <clears throat> this is an evil and they're blocking they're blocking the voice of America uh, Americans, but especially Tennesseans. And I go back, they are the people paying the bills and they're treated as again, I said this earlier, you know, Timmy on South Park, the little kid in the wheelchair that you roll him in and let him have 5 minutes of say or 3 minutes and then they pat him on the head and they roll him back out. That's about all the attention that they truly get because it's the money and the lobbyists are the ones making the deals here and Tennesseans are losing out. I
0: feel like that's what school boards are like too, but
3: It is. No, it is. <laughs> uh, Absolutely.
0: Bre- I don't at the risk of getting like too deep in the weeds on this. Break that break that Tuesday down for me. What bill was it exactly?
2: This is the healthcare recipient's Rights Act, HB 2486, run by Representative Todd Warner.
0: Which would have done what? Which
2: would have required a hospital to allow at all times a patient to have an an immediate family member with them and or someone with power of attorney uh, to be with them at all times uh, as a visitor and or if needed a patient advocate Hmm. in the case that you were incapacitated because, and 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 the the impetus of this bill is what we've seen throughout this COVID response, where someone goes into a hospital, they get diagnosed with COVID, and then from then on, everyone's banned from their presence, uh, including their spouse and. And, and oftentimes we've seen, you know, we're in disavere, vent, death, that whole. And yeah. people never see their loved ones again, mm-hmm. and they can't get in.
3: I thought that that actually—I was really shocked when I heard your—because th- I thought that that, ha- that portion of it had passed in the earlier bill last, or last fall in the it, special session. It
2: did. The problem is that particular omnibus <laughs> bill only deals with COVID-19. And here's the kicker. Those two sentences that dealt with the patient's rights piece— are only applicable during a state of emergency, which was lifted a week after a day the bill, was signed, after the bill was signed into law. Yeah, yeah. Gov- Governor Lee knew knew what he was yeah. doing, and I'm assuming exactly that
0: the doing. reason why the hospital system lobbies against that stuff like that is because it all goes back to control. Well, control and money. Yeah, they well, want to control. Well, let's the break outcome. that
1: down for the listeners, though. How do the hospitals get deprived of money? If the family is allowed to go in.
0: Because then they don't have the ability to have full control and mark things the way that they need to mark them in order to get paid for them.
2: And Uh, or the type of treatment they will prescribe. So it's
1: all about the treatments, right? So the state and the medical facilities have their checklist of whether it's remdesivir, whether it's a ventilator, whether it's hospital admission, whether it's this test, that test, the other thing. And if there's any parent or... Spouse or family member that comes in and says, "Hmm, no, I don't think that's the best thing." Whoops, that goes off the list. That's right. And it's not just one or two because <laughs> they—they there's, there's they know. Grand gone. They know now it's not just fifty grand though. They know that the people understand that what the protocols that they have been implementing have been responsible directly and indirectly for the deaths of
3: thousands, thousands, thousands.
1: and that's so that's if, a lot of money.
3: How are they handling minors on this? Because minors have to have. Say right? Are they separating that a minor can have someone with them the whole time?
2: My, my understanding, is, I don't, I don't know what they're doing today, but in the heat of COVID, yes, yes.
3: So, do y'all think something else is going to happen before fall elections? Another strand, a strain of something? Oh, the,
2: a, a variant of yeah, a COVID twenty. Before
3: know. elections, I doubt it. I just don't think the Democrats are going to let go of, of trying to get mail-in ballots before the end. They're, they fought too hard to get where they are. There, there'll be something before. They'll, they'll figure ever, something
0: else out, though, besides another strain, because they've already lifted all their stuff in in lieu of elections.
3: Well, somehow, I was just on a telephone call because I deal a lot. My husband's a pro songwriter. We deal a lot with performance venues of where we can right. go. So. Even though the, the vaccination thing has been lifted on a lot of clubs downtown Nashville, especially Ryman, they're still requiring masks because they've hooked up with Vandy and things. So,
2: so it, it's are, still legal, by the way, still legal. for its entertainment venues to require a vaccine passport.
3: Yeah. Yep. Which for, you know
2: well, being in the performance
0: industry. Right, right. I mean, it's a mess. Anyway, okay, sorry, I got on a tangent. So that's (laughs) Gary's Tuesday. How was your Tuesday?
3: It sucked. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it sucked. Man, it felt like I had gotten gut punched, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm not—we were not there willy-nilly. We were carrying the hopes, dreams, and aspirations and long-term care of every every Murray County person in with us that day. That was the weight because the North Murray County's growth has gotten so unbelievably out of control— we were trying to find a revenue source to help offset some of these expenses from growth, especially with schools, um, to have another revenue stream and we had to go to the state to do that. This revenue stream doesn't affect any of these legislature legislators that voted on this, it had nothing to do with them had nothing we just needed permission, so it wasn't going to affect them in any way but it was um it was behind the scenes effort. The minute we talked to somebody, I meant there was a slew of lobbies that went right back in, and man, they just pounded these guys. You can't do this. You can't do this. Builders Association, Realtors Association. I pay pack fees to the Realtors Association. And I'm down here watching what they're doing, hmm. you know. And I was like, okay. So it was over before it was done. It was just a placation to get us in and out. It was miserable. It was miserable. I,
2: I would have to imagine. I'm, 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 real, I'm, I'm connecting the dots on the situation that you're building here, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about. I'm going back. To, I would have to imagine. Second to healthcare, certainly being the number one most powerful lobby in Tennessee. I would guess number two is our builders and developers.
3: Builders, builders and developers and realtors. Yeah, huge.
2: Yeah, real huge. powerful lobby. Yeah,
3: so you know just. You know, the Cliff Notes version of this is basically Murray County's growth has gone up 25% in five years. And uh, Williamson County has revenue sources that are not afforded to any other county unless they were grandfathered years and years ago. So basically, any developer comes in, he can immediately hook into the infrastructure and make squillions of dollars and then leave to his next thing and to the next county. But what it does is it strangleholds Especially the elderly or fixed income people. Or Murray Murray County's not a high blue collar place of wages like Williamson County is. So you've got sort of give you an idea. When I was on the city council for Columbia, I, I got off the council in early twenty seventeen. But at the time the, these numbers rang true. The mean income in Williamson County is eighty grand a year. In Spring Hill, it was sixty five and at the time it was under thirty for Murray County. Wow, okay, so when you talk about putting a property tax of twenty to sixty cents on a house, you know, and now you've got the inflation like crazy with the fuel costs and food cost, I mean, we are really heading into a dire Armageddon for these places. So when I said we were walking in for our people, we were walking in. I looked at a a, a legislator I said. You can't vote no on this this time. You can't, you know, because when I ran, they raised electric rates when it was 2008 and everything had hit. Mm -hmm. And I had a lady that lived in my ward and she called me and she said, they've raised the electric rates. And I said, I know they have Mrs. Orr. And she said... Debbie, I had to sell a mattress to pay my electric bill last month. And mm. I don't have another mattress, okay? When you deal with people on the ground and look at what they're doing and dealing with between prescriptions and taxes and, and fuel and all this, I mean, that's truly the people we're supposed to be representing. Mm-hmm. These guys represented nothing but who they were getting donations from and the lobbyists to make it easy on themselves. And they scurried on their way as if it didn't matter. The only thing that gave me great... Uh, Glee is that one of them named Tom Leatherwood outside of Shelby County is ha- going to have the Ford plant down there where they gave, they gave them squillions of dollars, but they don't give a damn about Murray Countyans, right? So anyway, when Ford goes in, it's going to be the same sort of situation, in these small little communities like Arlington or Milling- Millington, all around in there. And he's going to be coming to the state legislature saying we need some adequate facility taxes to help with this growth for infrastructure. But he still voted against us. So, anyway, we are we are hurting. I'm
2: actually gathering how how important and insidious almost this is because you know, in a place like Murray County, you're growing. You you have to build schools. Have you to. have to build infrastructure. The money has to come from somewhere. And so all you were asking is, look, give us the opportunity to create an impact fee where the builders who are coming in and taking advantage of all of this growth and making the, the billions of dollars, you know, put the burden on them to pay the impact fee to build the infrastructure. Right. Because if you don't. It's going to be the older folks on fixed incomes and everyone else right. who are going to have to pay higher property taxes.
3: It's not a it's while not the builders
2: a, make their millions and, and go on to the next county.
3: So I want to say this: so it's, a it's not deal. a it's not a either or. Taxes are going to come from somewhere. What we were asking for is to let growth pay for growth. Okay. Now I say this as Realtor of the Year for National Realty Group. I am a Realtor. I also represent builders. Okay, so I know on the ground on what it costs to start a build, to end a, bill, a build, and I know what I'm going to turn around and sell it for. So just for an example, I built an infield lot in Riverside, which is a beautiful little community inside Columbia. We built it for maybe 130 a square foot, which means we had about 300 in it. But I sold it for five fifteen. dollars So you're telling me the builder's going to say, oh, no, instead of making $125,000 profit, I'm only going to make one nineteen. dollars so I'm not going to build in Murray County. No. I go back to Williamson County. Williamson County has had these adequate facility fees forever. The builders have been building so fast and furious here, those impact fees didn't stop them or slow them down. The county had to slow down the growth. Builders would have stayed there and built... They don't care. They're passing that on to whoever right, purchased it. Right. Mm-hmm. But right now they're not passing anything on and Murray Countyans are paying for the sewer lines out to where the property starts. They'll put a bond down to cover roads and stuff for a period of time, but then the city and the counties have to pick up all the roads, all the care for the roads. So basically when one property tax dollar comes into Murray County, a dollar thirty five to a dollar fifty goes out. That's how it's upside down right now.
1: Where's the breast coming from?
3: Well, Somebody we're, borrowing we're, it? we're nickel and diamond and moving it around. But, you know, during this, I held up this article to this legislator and I said, Murray County was just voted the lowest in starting pay for teachers in 14 districts. Okay. and That was probably middle Tennessee, but as we're paying for buildings, we're paying for buildings that we haven't even begin to, begun to staff yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So what we were asking for is that it was no hair off of anyone's hoo-ha <laughs> up there at the legislature. <laughs> we were asking hoo-ha. them to we're just we We're going to have Debbie back. That's right. We were just asking them to give us permission— for us at a local level to govern ourselves. Again, I told y'all this earlier. We tell the federal government every day, let Tennessee govern Tennesseans. Well, Murray County and the city of Columbia is asking the state, let us govern ourselves. Just give us the tools that we need. And if the people of Columbia are ticked or pissed that we've put adequate facilities fees in, then we will get voted out of office, Mm -hmm. okay? Let that take care of that. But none of these guys, not one of them was from Murray County, not one of them I don't think was from Williamson County, but they made the decision, and the reason they made this decision is they're not able to breathe in between these bills. They have got lobbyists. And the lobbyists. They are on here. their jock, excuse me, expressing. The minute, I mean, these poor guys, it, and they all look at each other like, oh, I can't vote against that. So, so when our vote went down Tuesday, okay, they didn't do a roll call vote. So they... Who's all in favor say aye. And one man promised us that he would vote for us and he kept his word. Representative Kenny, I think was his name, or no, Reedy.
2: Jay Reedy. Yes. Now,
3: Scott Sepecki, this was our bill in the legislature. You know, Scott, full court press man, he is fighting for us. Reedy promised Scott that they would do that. Okay. So, but the others that promised we went in there thinking we had a three-to-three shot and hoping we could run it out. Instead of taking a roll call vote, they said, all in favor. Mr. Reedy said, "I" by himself. And he was shocked that he said it by himself. Then they say, all opposed. And all of these legislatures run behind each other and go, no, so nobody can truly get a mm-hmm. name call on the vote. Mm-hmm. And as we were leaving, here we are. Total weenies. You know, we're we're not, this is not our profession per se. I go up a lot. Gary goes up a lot. We get a little used to it. But people and citizens going up, they're given of their time. They're new to this. They're feeling comfortable. And as we got up and left, the lobbyists sat there and actually snickered at us as we left because they got their way. And it was like, okay, just like you said, you won. There, so There was a like,
2: report that came out two weeks ago. I can't remember whether it was a Tennessee conservative maybe or um – You know, good conservative publication here. Anyway, they did a little research calculated by an estimate that in the span of a year, uh, through various events and just not gifts necessarily, but just things that they do for the legislators to make them feel awesome and put on these grandioso events and dinners, lobbyists cumulatively spend about $60 million a year on these legislators. Just just
1: in the state of Tennessee. Just in the
2: state of Tennessee. That could be one new
3: school building.
2: $60 million. Mm -hmm.
3: Man. Mm -mm. So I do have a solution. I don't like to talk about crap unless we have a solution. Okay? So this is what I'm putting forth on the table today for us to truly say, okay, we got to solve this. So how are we going to solve this? We can't get rid of the lobbyists unless we had a governor that said, hey, we're going to eliminate lobbyists from entering this building. They can come— On off votes day and make an appointment like everybody else. Well, that you know we don't have that. That's not going to happen. So, so as an ex city official, let me say this: I've been in votes where the vote was going to go a certain way, and these I've been on with some deep state people, voting very much in their own interest, and know that I'm about to lose a vote. But then I get the community to walk in that door and fill every seat. And those people sitting there as elected officials, when they see the general public walk into a meeting, they almost, their pants, okay? I will tell you. And it changes. I've watched people just, and then act as if they had never opposed or whatever. So this is what I say we've got to do. And how we build this, I don't know. But for every vote... Of the legislature and every committee, we need to fill the seats with citizens before the lobbyists can get in there. Okay, they need to see 150, 75 people just yeah, filling seats. Yeah, well, it, we we did that on Tuesday. I was just going to say they gave us the bird,
2: not
1: to throw a wet blanket on it. <clears throat> okay. But yeah, didn't that just happen on Tuesday? And they still they've become so brazen that even if the room is full of citizens,
2: they'll still turn you down. Hmm. Yeah. Okay,
3: That's I don't just, well, I don't know what to do then. I don't know. I don't know. I can't believe that they got to
2: change the people in those seats.
3: Okay, so well then, got to run do it. for office. Mm-hmm.
2: People like John,
3: John, you got to run. Got to go run. You got to run. No doubt. I mean, it's no telling what's <laughs> going. I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> about
1: something you said though. About is there actual authority to remove lobbyists from the chamber?
3: Well, you need to have somebody with the political cojones to do it, right? But, but so, is that
1: all it takes? Is is there nothing that protects the lobbyists?
2: You know, Legally to allow them to be there? I'm not a 100 percent sure if that would require legislation or not. (laughs)
1: Because if it requires legislation, you know the legislators themselves are never going to say lobbyists go Uh home. Right.
2: I think, yeah, it would have to be done either legislatively or just through the rules. So, you know, generally the the, the General Assembly and and actually the the House and Senate individually – have the ability to set the rules for their own – I mean they set the rules on how the committees work. They set the rules on how often they hear bills. They they set the rules on um, how many bills they'll see. So, for example, that's – I was talking to a legislator the other day. That's one of the problems. These these folks sit down and look at about two thousand bills every session, and, and it's and it's impossible, mm-hmm. you know, to to and especially with a part time legislature. Well, that's because one of the rules they've created is that we've got ninety nine members of the House, and every time they go into session, each one of those House members can submit up to fifteen bills. That's fifth in in the span of a General Assembly, which spans two years, spans two sessions. If every if all ninety-nine House members submitted fifteen bills in each of those sessions, that's 1485? three hundred eighty-five. Yeah, that's yeah. almost that's three thousand bills for the entire General okay. Assembly, yeah. you know, yeah. in this in the two-year span. So that, that's just untenable, and that's it what is. they're faced with. So you can't, when we go in there with complicated subjects like talking about medical discrimination and employees and private property, it's hard to have the kind of time needed to really debate difficult topics because they they want five minutes on it and then mm-hmm. they want to go, go on to the next thing because there's a slew of bills to get to. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a broken system. But my point in saying that is they they actually can control that though with within their own rulemaking. So I I believe they have the power to make rules on what kind of access lobbyists have. For you you just gave an example of if you said, look, lobbyists can show up here and make appointments on thursdays you yes. know like outside of that right. we're working on our bills and we're available to our constituents exactly well, that's i believe they can make that rule
3: we need to we need to try to i don't know how we just need to try to to, to get that well, you done. force
2: their hand on it you know
3: well you, i was just going to say what you're saying
0: is the very people that are benefiting from all of these lobbyists have the ability to make those rules mm-hmm. right which yeah. isn't going to happen, right? Which,
2: which is the same thing you see in Congress with term limits. Right. The, the same people that you would need to submit a uh, legislation federally to create term limits are the people that you would be limiting. <laughs> right. If, well, it's uh, like
3: or pay raises. Ra- pay raises, exactly. right? They always
2: give themselves pay raises
1: you know because
3: this, they can. You know what the state of Tennessee did? They said, well, we don't want to look bad that we are giving ourselves a raise. So, we're going to attach it that if state employees get their 3%, we automatically get a raise. So, that way, they took it out of the purview where the general public could see it, and it's just automatically attached. Mm. So, listen, it's deep, man. It's so So, deep.
2: So, Kevin, like, fundamental question, you know, like, as I'm just thinking through that, Mm. putting you on the spot here, but like, how do you, you know, all of these, you know, John mentioned – like all of these rules that are incumbent upon the folks that have to follow the rules also make the rules. How, how do we mitigate that to actually get to a place where some of these things get fixed? Because we, we continue to deal with these things every election cycle. It never changes. Mm, I think you know the answer to that. It's Do we? Yeah, it's civil di- disobedience.
1: Mm. When the people who are in charge – of complying with the 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 reason we put them in office in the first place is to act according to our interests right to act with our consent not against our consent when the people that we put in office act against the consent of the people the only options we have is to say well we're not going to comply with your rules we're not going to comply with your and I say it in quote air quotes laws because they're not laws if they're passed against the consent of the people they are not laws and we need to be very serious now To recognize that just because we elected them doesn't mean that they represent us, right? Just because I voted for this senator or that representative doesn't now give them carte blanche to act against my interest, especially when they said on the campaign trail, I'm going to act in your interest. So if they are going to lie and to cheat and to obfuscate and obscure their votes and to hide them behind committee doors and lobbyists and whatnot... The only options we have is to not follow through. That's, that's where they lose their power. And that's where regimes, authoritarian regimes, always fall is when the people say, enough. Right. I'm not going to obey. At this point in American history, up to this point, Americans have been very reluctant to do that because they have believed, well, we don't need to do that here because we have a representative government.
3: Yeah, you don't. But we
1: have a representative government only by name. Right. We don't actually have a reputation. And everything that you talked about today would leave a person to say, what other choice do I have? I must disobey, be- and we must do it in mass. I can't disobey on my own. Gary can't disobey on his own. John can't disobey on his own, because they'll target us, they'll isolate us, they'll make it very miserable for us. It has to be in massive numbers. Um, maybe, and we must be persistent. About maybe
3: it. We, Maybe we do this. Maybe we say, Every bill that passes out of the Tennessee General Assembly, it then therefore goes on a referendum vote to each county so the public votes on what you just passed. And therefore, it has to be double codified maybe? I mean – I think it's a
1: great idea. But I don't know if it can even be even getting there, you can't get there until first you regain control and get A, people who have the integrity – we have to get more than one or two in a couple of positions, people who have the integrity and that we can trust to actually follow through right. with a people-led initiative. But I think the system has to be broken first before we can get it back to having a foundation or a framework of liberty.
2: So I have something I can trust. So maybe next week I'll just walk into my legislator's office, and of course the lobbyist will be sitting there. And I'm just going to go sit down and start talking. Like, hey guys, how's it going? You should. Yeah, I'm just I'm just here to hang out with my legislature. Yeah. Legislator.
0: What are you talking about? I'm I'm a lobbyist. Yeah. I'm a lobbyist Sorry. for myself yeah. and my neighbors.
1: Are anyway. there any restrictions, right? There shouldn't be, right? No, We're citizens. Uh, you just
3: have to go through the front door and go through the metal detector and then again, I've not ever seen anything like it before in my life. And um you're right. We gotta get the power back. How we do that short of a A revolution, I don't know, because we are...
1: Well, again, let's be clear. They are the ones that are revolting, not us. Exactly. They are revolting against our God-given rights. They are revolting against law and order. They are lawless in themselves, and they are imposing upon us decrees that we didn't elect them to impose and against our wishes. I think it's really important in our language that we always remind them that they are the ones that are revolting. All that we're doing is trying to reestablish our
0: God-given rights. And when tyranny becomes law, resistance becomes duty. That's <laughs> Absolutely. right. Uh, I, I, know I realize we're running up against time, but real quick, can we get a nutshell? Of like, where when did lobbying begin? I mean, has it been, always been there? And why, why is that question. legal? How does that make any sense in the world why that's legal?
3: Well, well, politicians need jobs after they get out of office, so this is the first <laughs> place that they are like, you'll never get through. Well, because, right, I mean, that's one thing that I loved so about Trump. He, he put that decree out. If you work for my administration, you can't lobby for five years after you leave. It was the greatest thing ever. We did not lob that big enough. That was huge for Trump to do. You win my administration, okay, you're going to serve the government, but you're not going to take advantage of this mm-hmm. for so many years afterwards. We need to do that, and we need to keep that. But of course, you know, Biden put that in the paper shredder because all of his buddies want lobbying jobs as soon as they leave office. Could
0: could it be that this is something that our founding fathers didn't foresee that corporations I mean, but, would get this big?
2: Well, look in theory. In theory, a, a lot lobbying is really no different than you know, representation. The in, in theory you have a, a a group of people in an industry. They don't necessarily all have the means or the time, you know, to go push for certain legislation that may or may not help them. So they come together as a collective and hire someone to go speak on their behalf, almost like a quasi speak on uh, their
0: behalf, but also spend millions of that's dollars right. whining <laughs> and dining and
2: which is where it's gotten which is where it's gotten worse, right? But I think the the foundational theory of it was Maybe um genuine and and not nefarious, but certainly where it's gotten uh, and and I think where it really got corrupt is exactly what debbie brought out it is it's not what lobbying has become is not really a represent a representative of someone from from an industry just representing their interests it's really the hiring of a, of a prior muckety muck mm-hmm. who now knows where all the bodies are buried yeah. and holds the keys mm-hmm. and you just those guys actually at the end of the day they they Get rehired and rehired. They become the most powerful people uh, in any state. And it's not the elected officials because the lobbyists never go away. You may have House members that turn over every, you know, four or eight years, but that lobbyist never goes away. And then the new representative comes in and they look at this lobbyist who's been there for 30 years. It's like, well, you must know what you're doing. So just tell me what I need to do. And they really become the most powerful parts of our.
3: yeah. Because legislators don't want to think either. They want to be sort of told what to do. Right? You know what could fix this? Let me say this. This is what could fix this. Special interest groups are now not allowed to give campaign donations. Well, that's that's the you part I'm talking get, about. Like go. how
0: I don't see how that's so why that is that way, a good idea? Now
3: they would they would mark out and say, okay, okay, since we can't say the builders association is going to give five hundred dollars to this cam, this candidate, we can't do that anymore. So they'll end up giving it in different names. They but do if, that
2: through PACs. Yeah, but at, but assume. at
3: the same time, if we said you cannot give a political donation. As a, a group with Realtor Association, whatever, uh, that candidates are not allowed to take anything but independent donors' money. Okay. That means that when something maybe comes up in front of them, they'll have to think or feel or, you know, concentrate on the that thing at hand. a
1: significant change. But mm. here's something else that exposes, and I'll just ask you guys at the table Gary, John, Debbie, if you were on that committee, that just ignored the consent of the people and chose to follow the lobbyist. Would you have done that? No. Would you, Gary?
3: Absolutely not. Have John?
1: done? have ignored the people? Yeah. No. Okay. So what does that tell us?
3: The wrong people are elected. Wrong people. And there it's you go.
1: and and we haven't done a good enough job of choosing the right people. It, politicians, unfortunately, are a certain class of people. It's a class of personality. It's a class of there's a There's a character trait that goes along with 99% of the politicians who are in office, and they all—it's groupthink. Yeah,
3: Mm -hmm. right, you're right. And
1: they don't have any courage. I think Gary called them weenies, I would agree.
3: (laughs) That was was a nice way to put it.
1: They don't have any courage. Um, I don't think any of them, or again, 99% of them do not have any kind of moral convictions, right? If it comes down to money and their peer group versus doing the right thing before God— it's embarrassing, but most of them choose money in their peer groups, thinking that they, okay, well, I'll go repent to God in church on Sunday and go right back to doing the same thing on Monday. We need to find and and and, and train support. and teach and, and raise, right? Those and of us support. who are raising children, raise children with those convictions. And that's hard because it's a very slow process relative to how quickly everything is burning down. And it sounds like... We don't have time to do that, but we still must do it. Let
3: Mm -hmm. me tell you something else that makes a difference, and you all may not be on this page with me, but my husband, he's such a writer. He goes, Debbie, elected elected officials are only meat suits to go up there and do what we the people say. They aren't supposed to think they're supposed to do what we tell them to, okay? Now, as the Murray County Republican Party, we are getting active in absolutely everything. And so, when our elected officials are there, we stand them up, and we'll have like the transparency on the voter issues that are going around. That have y'all. If you had a Kathy Harmon here to talk about, oh, okay, she, she's so, not been
2: on this podcast. She, she you need to have gonna, her. Kathy, we're all. Oh, uh, listen. So, Kathy, yeah. so,
3: Kat, so, like, Kathy comes in, she does her spiel. I would heard it before. I had the elected officials stand up, and I said, <clears throat> S- "It is so ordered by the Murray County Republican Party that you make sure this happens." I meant, <laughs> no, go. listen, yeah. I meant— I. It's no more messing around. It, it, we are. It's a life and death situation where we are right now. So we looked at Scott Sapeki and we said, we want a D or an R on these school board seats because we've got to get people at least accountable to somebody. Mm-hmm. And Scott took that up to the state legislature, and guess what? We got it. Now, Are all of my D's and R's on a school board run? Are we going to know what we're doing and everything? But it's a start that we know they're against CRT and they're against this. But that came out of the Republican Party. So until people are active in their party and that party gets strong delegating what we want to go through those Mm -hmm. legislators, you can start there. Mm -hmm. I promise it's a powerful thing because if Scott knows that he's got the back of his party, backing of his party, he will carry a bill through. Okay, but he has to have clear direction from the party so it is very important that if you're in a small town get your republican party together you all need to meet
2: and make sure the conservatives on that it's a party it's conservatives
3: well you you find out things you watch things things grow it's 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 a moving living being yep. thing your political party but i'm telling you murray county republicans we're watching everything we're active in the school board or looking at the school board this year is the odd number of elections for the school board, and we have a slate of Republican candidates. We just had our convention. You all don't know about the conventions, or do you know about? Yeah, it.
2: we're going to have to get to that another time. Okay, we're, we're, but but I didn't want to get to that, but we're going to well, save that. I for see another a blue episode. light
3: over there. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we are we are the forerunners of the convention instead of a. So, the, your state Republican Party has voted unanimously for years. Uh, the the executive committee, the state executive committee, to have primaries that are uh, are closed in this state. Mm-hmm. And there are legislators out of East Tennessee that are keeping us from having closed primaries. Mm-hmm. So we said, we're having a convention. It is a legal option because we want Republicans choosing Republican right. candidates. And that's what we did. I so that's I, awesome.
2: I think possibly... Maybe next on next week's episode, I'm I'm gonna bring that up since we're in election season because those these conventions that that we actually can have in Tennessee and opt for them in lieu of, of having open primaries is a way that we can sort of fix the fraudulent nonsense that goes on in our open primary system mm-hmm. uh, that that not enough counties. Take advantage. In fact, I think Murray County is one of only three or four counties in the entire state that does this. Well, right we
3: forced now. it to happen in the judicial as well. Yeah, and that included four other counties because the judges were never Ds or ours and we are forcing that they have to run. You have to, you mm-hmm. have to pick where you're going to be, and that means that we're going to be watching you. And if you don't do what we want you to do, then you will be primaried the next time. It is accountability, but it has to be accountability on the local level. I 100% agree
0: Thank you Debbie Thank you for having me Appreciate Thanks for you being
1: making
3: here the time Oh man to be I loved here. it Good energy And uh,
0: Joe Rogan You're always welcome Always welcome Any time Any awesome
3: Listen I've been listening To Joe Rogan for years But now You know He's up there with I mean He could be The national Zelensky For us I mean He stood up against there, Right <laughs> Let's whoa, yeah, Don't go let's there just, Let's just in right there <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, in
0: PR purposes There right? Okay All right All okay. right <laughs> All right. Till next week. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, As revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.